please join with me in prayer. Father, we ask that You would bless not only the reading, but also the proclamation of Your Word. Father, I pray that You would help us not to be overcome by evil, but to overcome evil with good. We ask in Jesus' name, Amen. This past week, the trial for Dylan Roof uh, was begun. You will remember that in June 2015, Dylan Roof walked into Emmanuel African Methodist Episcopal Church where a small group of people were conducting a Bible study and he killed nine of them. He murdered nine of them. Dylan Roof uh, went into that church because he knew it was a black church and his goal was to kill black people. He chose a church because he assumed nobody would have a gun to fire back at him. Uh, He revealed this in his confession that was played in court this week. He sat through most of the Bible study right next to Clementa Pinckney. And as they finished the study, the group then bowed in prayer. And so it was while everybody's eyes were closed in prayer that he began shooting them. It is sickening that someone would do that. His racially motivated murders could have torn Charleston apart. But it did not, and it did not, because the relatives of the murder murder victims were Christians themselves. Two days after the shootings, the relatives stood up in court and addressed Dylan Roof. Listen to some of their comments. One said, I forgive you. Another said, You took something very precious from me, but I forgive you. It hurts me. You hurt a lot of people, but may God forgive you. Someone else who was there in the Bible study who was not shot said, we welcomed you Wednesday night in our Bible study with open arms. You have killed some of the most beautiful people that I know. Every fiber in my body hurts. I will never be the same. But as they say in the Bible study, we enjoyed you. May God have mercy on your soul. Someone else said, one of the other relatives says, hate is not going to win. Now, that's a super rare response to this kind of evil. But these people are not super Christians. Rather, they are simply obedient Christians. Verses 14 through 21, Paul tells us how to respond to evil that is directed to us. He gives us many specific things that we are to do when this happens. This week, however, we're only going to look at the summary command in verse 21. The last verse in this passage. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This is such an important topic, I believe, for our day and age, for our culture that we live in right now, that I'm going to spend at least uh, two weeks this week and next week, maybe three weeks in verses 14 through 21. Besides my usual resources, 
I'm using one resource that I very much appreciate. It's a book I read a number of years ago, and I've either given it away or lost it. It's by Jay Adams, How to Overcome Evil. So I wanted to give him proper recognition, but also wanted to recommend it to you if you are in a relationship where um, evil is directed toward you by the other person in that relationship, or if you are... um, have experienced it in the past um, from a boss or from a neighbor and are struggling to get over it. And I think this book can be a great help. As I said, we're only going to look at verse 21. The outline for the sermon is pretty simple. Point one is the command, do not be overcome by evil. Point two is the continuation of that command, Overcome evil. Don't be overcome by it, but rather overcome it. And then the third point is how we are to overcome it. Overcome evil with good. As I've already mentioned, verse 21 is a command. You are commanded not to be overcome by evil. This means that you must not allow evil to overpower uh, you and your will and cause you to sin against God in your response to any evil that is committed against you. In other words, this passage is saying you may not respond in kind to someone who mistreats you. We live in a broken world, therefore people are going to sin against you. We are broken people. We are sinners. It is likely that you have sinned against someone else. Because we are sinners, and because we live in a sinful world, all of us are going to be placed in a position at many times in our life where we'll have to respond to someone who is doing something wrong against us. You may be in one of those situations right now. You may have a difficult boss who makes unreasonable demands of you. You may not have recourse to respond to your boss because if you respond, you may lose your job. So, you think your only recourse is to store up the bitterness in your heart, not open your mouth. Well, that bitterness that you are storing up in your heart shows that you have been overcome by evil, by the evil against you. You may have a difficult neighbor who makes unreasonable complaints about you and about maybe your yard or something something else. In South Carolina, there was a person, since this is the Christmas season, uh, she had decorated her house with multicolored lights. But the neighborhood covenants specified that only white lights could be used for the decorations. So one of the neighbors complained bitterly about the the multicolored lights. So she took the lights down. And she decorated her trees and her shrubs with her undergarment. (laughs) There was nothing in the uh, covenants that said you couldn't do that. (laughs) So uh, you may not take it to that extreme. But if you avoid your neighbor or make jokes about your neighbor with your family and friends, then you have been overcome 
by their evil against you. You may have relatives who mistreat you. You know, I hear far too often of children who withhold the grandchildren from the grandparents as a form of control or a form of punishment. And if you're a grandparent, how should you respond to that sort of thing? Verses 14 through 21 give us those directions. You are commanded by God not to be overcome by evil. And that's the negative part of verse 21. The positive part is that you are called, you are commanded to overcome evil. And this is an important point to make. I think many Christians have a maintenance mentality when it comes to the Christian life, when it comes to sinning against God. They're content to try and avoiding sin against God, but they don't think too much or don't put forth much effort toward active obedience of God's commands. If someone commits an evil against them, well, then their goal would be not to aggressively seek to be overcome by their evil, but rather to avoid repaying them in kind. In other words, someone sins against them, and instead of actively trying to overcome their evil, they just avoid. They sidestep. They um, just seek to try and avoid repaying them in kind. Well, that's the first part of the, the command, not to be overcome by evil. But they don't think about how to aggressively then overcome their evil by God's grace. But you're called by God negatively to not be overcome by evil and then positively to overcome their evil with good. Let me give an example of what I'm trying to get at. In Matthew 25, Jesus told the parable of the talents. In the parable, a man, uh, uh, a man who owned some servants, he gave each of his servants different amounts of talents. And a talent was a form of money, it's a form of currency. And so the man expected his servants to improve upon uh, the investment by investing this money that had been given to them. So the first two men in the parable did exactly that. One man was given five talents, he invested it, and he earned five more. Uh, so he had ten talents. The second man was given uh, four or three talents, he invested it, he earned another three talents. The last man was given one talent. And he thought to himself, my master is a hard man. He's an unforgiving man. I'm going to make sure I don't lose that talent. And so he buried it in the ground. And when his master returned, he dug it up. And he gave him back all the money in full, but had not earned any interest in it. He had done half of what the master expected. And listen to what Jesus told, uh, or what the Master told this servant. Uh, and this is the point of Jesus' parable. He said, you wicked and slothful, or we could say lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I, have not, where, where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was 
what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away and cast the worthless servant into outer darkness. In that place there will be neither there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. In other words, here's a man who did not lose the talent that did not do what was expected of him and earn more on what he was given. Simply having a maintenance mentality when it comes to obeying God is repulsive to God. So our mindset when it comes to overcoming evil is not just to keep from sinning, but we should see it as an opportunity to be faithful to God. Whenever there's a battle to overcome evil, it should be the evil that limps from the battlefield. Too often Christians refuse to enter the battlefield. They sidestep it. Whenever God commands us to obey Him, He gives us all the resources we need to obey Him. He gives us His Word. He gives us Christian fellowship. He gives us the Holy Spirit. God Himself, the third person of the Godhead, has made our heart His home. He is living in our soul. He is empowering us to obey Him. His grace is abundantly sufficient for all our needs, especially when it comes to the need to honor and obey God. God knows your weaknesses and your limitations. And He will send nothing that we cannot handle. He sent a lot to the relatives of those who were murdered. He sent a lot to those who were murdered. They were able to handle it by God's grace. And we can handle anything that God sends our way if we will handle it His way. The relatives of the murder victims in Emmanuel African Methodist Church have proven that God is faithful to His children. And when they handle things His way, He can bring an abundance, a harvest of righteousness even out of the greatest of tragedies. That we indeed can overcome the greatest of evils by His grace. I think many Christians do not sufficiently understand that we are in a war every day as we follow the Lord Jesus Christ. The word overcome is a term that is used in battle. It's a war word. To be overcome is to be defeated. To overcome someone is to win the victory. We could paraphrase verse 21 to say, Do not be defeated in the battle by evil, but battle, um, but in battle, defeat evil. God expects us to win, in other words. If you are a Christian, you are a born-again winner. 
or to channel our president-elect, we are to win, 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 and we are to keep on winning because we are in Jesus Christ. He has the victory. He has given us the victory that He secured for us on the cross. So how do we win? We are to overcome evil with good. This is counterintuitive for the world. The world says you win by repaying in kind or you win by so overpaying what they did to you that they won't do it again. The world says you can't let an injustice go unanswered. But Christ says that when others do evil against us, we must respond with good toward them. The daughter that said to Dylan Roof, you hurt me deeply, but I forgive you, embodies the essence of the good that we are to to do toward our enemies. We are to return good for evil. That is not just good practical advice, it is God's command. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. But it is practical. Goodness is an infinitely more powerful force than evil. It's infinitely more powerful because it's God's way. Goodness has God's God's power supporting it. Evil does not have God's power supporting it. Or think about the cross. The cross is a supreme example of returning good for evil. Ultimate evil was gathered together against uh, Jesus Christ. And ultimate evil flung all of its resources at Him. What was the outcome? The outcome was that good triumphed over evil. Is there someone in your past, or maybe is there someone in your present who has done evil against you? Returning good for evil is not easy. It goes against our sinful selfishness. It goes against our culture. And please notice that in verses 14 through 21, Paul does not give any qualifications. Verse 14, there is no persecution so great that Paul makes an exception. Well, you can be uh, excluded from returning evil for evil or good for evil, if they killed your mother. No, he doesn't make that exclusion. There is no hurt so deep that Paul excuses us from living in this way. And some of you have been hurt deeply. And God says, return good for the evil that was done to you. How are we expected to live this way? Repaying good for evil. Well, look back to verse 1 of chapter 12. Paul says, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. That's it. God says you are a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to Him. You've got to lay down your rights, even 
to your desire for retribution or vengeance if you are a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you are a living sacrifice, it means sacrifice. How can we do that? How can we give up our sinful responses to repay someone and do good for them? Well, look again at verse 1. He says, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. And this mercies of God... Paul talked about that in Romans 1 through 11. In Romans 1 through 11, he pointed out that we are sinners. That we are sinners completely unworthy of God's love. But he also pointed out that our God is merciful. That He is merciful to us. That He sent His one and only Son to be the propitiation for our sins. That's a big word that simply means to turn away from wrath. If this was us, and because we're sinners, we deserve God's wrath. But what the Lord Jesus Christ did was He came and He took our place. He turned God's wrath away from us and onto Himself. And on that awful cross, the Lord Jesus paid for our sins. Paid for our past sins, our present sins, our future sins. And so He says, by the mercies of God, offer yourselves as a living sacrifice. In other words, have you wronged God? Have you done evil against God? Well, of course you have, as we all have. And God returned good to you instead of wrath by the mercies of God. He gave His one and only Son for us in return for our sin against Him. He will help us no matter how badly, no matter how deeply you have been hurt or wounded or wronged. Next week, we're going to see in a very practical way how He does that as we pray together. Father, I know because I have talked to some of the people in this congregation that they have been wounded in ways that I have never ever begun to experience. And Father, I know from Your Word and I know from my experience that Your grace is sufficient to, for us to trust You in the midst of the greatest wrong against us, in the midst of the greatest pain and the greatest evil that has been done against us. Lord, I thank You for the the witness and testimony of uh, our brothers and sisters in Charleston, South Carolina, that uh, they join the great cloud of witness witnesses that cheer us on in our... Um, in our walk with You, in our um, desire to honor You and love um, not only our brothers and sisters in Christ, but also our neighbors, even our enemies. And so bring glory and honor to You. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.